0: Stand to our feet as we go into our unrealistic covenant statement today. So if you don't mind, stand to your feet where you are as we make this declaration together once again. Uh, let's make our, our declaration in faith. Any any unrealistic saints still in the room with us? Amen. Good to see y'all. Y'all, y'all look so unrealistic today. Hallelujah. Let's say it today, like we mean it. Today, I recognize that my faith is greater than my reality. I refute the ordinary because I was created for the extraordinary. I will not allow what I see to determine what I believe, but what I believe will determine what I see. I will pray unrealistic prayers, embrace unrealistic vision, begin unrealistic pursuits, and maintain unrealistic expectations. I will live by faith and not feelings. I will live by faith and not facts. I will live by faith and not common sense. Faith won't allow me to be realistic, afraid, comfortable, or limited. I am proud to say that I am unapologetically unrealistic. Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor, give them a fist bump, say get unrealistic. Turn to the neighbor on the other side, say stay unrealistic. Stay unrealistic. Amen, amen. I want to invite you to remain standing for the reading of the Scripture today. Go with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, and we'll begin together at verse number 21. And I just want to encourage those who are online, those who are at home, I need you to be with me, an Apple apostle, need you to be an electronic evangelist, need you to be a digital disciple. So if you're watching on FaceTime, Facebook, just do me a favor, hit that share button two or three times. And if you know anybody that just needs a boost in their faith and you're watching on YouTube, whether on Breath of Life or Oakwood, do me a favor, just copy that link, send it to somebody, say, God bless bless you as you share with them the word of the living God. You can't make it watch it, but guess what? You can send it to them. Come on and say amen. Go with me, Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 21. And when you get there, just let me hear you say amen. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Now, let me just kind of share with you how we're going to do this message Um, As I was kind of working through this message, I'll be honest with you, I realized, uh, Dr. Dent, I was doing a little bit too much for one sermon. And so I realized this sermon was going to be about two and a half hours. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break this message up. Is that all right? And so what we're going to do is I'm going to give you installation one today. And then what we're going to do is we're going to break because I'm going to be addressing our graduates a little bit more directly. Uh, Let's give an amen for all of our academy graduates next week. Amen. And then that following Sabbath, the June 4th, I'll give you the second installment of that message. If you'll come to church that week, just say amen one more time. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 21. Matthew 15 and verse 21. So if it feels like we end a little abruptly, it's on purpose. It's only because we're going to give you part two in a couple of weeks. Matthew 15 and verse 21. The Bible says, then Jesus went out there went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But the Bible says, But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs Eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And the Bible says, And her daughter was healed from that very hour. But I want to just put a little emphasis on verse 23, for the Bible says, But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Today I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, claim your benefits. Claim your benefits. Let's look to the Lord together in prayer today. Father, Lord, would you elevate our faith today. Father, I pray that you would allow us to be able to see your goodness in a fresh way, in a, in a new way, in a relevant way. And so, Father, we just take a moment to thank God for your nearness. We're thankful for the assurance that whenever we gather in your name, you are in the mist. So, Lord, we pray this prayer knowing that you're not on the way We offer up this prayer knowing that you're already at work. So, Father, I'm praying that you would bless the teaching and the receiving of your word. Would you hide me in the shadows of the cross that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard, and at the end of our time together, may Jesus alone be praised. Bless us to this end, we pray, in the name of him who is altogether lovely. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray it. Let God's people say together, amen. And amen. You may be seated here in the house or whether you're watching at home. Again, we're talking under the subject today, claim your benefits. You know, as a pastor, my responsibilities require me to travel a good bit. And as a frequent flyer, over time, you earn miles, and you gain access to certain benefits. But I'll be honest with you, I don't pay attention to those things like I should. In fact, when I travel, my primary goal is to get where I'm going, and to make sure I make it back home safely. But a couple of months ago, my wife and I were traveling together. And well, while I was waiting in a long line to check one of my bags, I noticed that my wife was reading the verbiage on the Sky Priority Lane. And after a while, she came to me and she says, honey, why are we standing in this line? And of course, I replied that we are standing in this line so that we can check the bag. And she began to inform me that because I have a certain medallion status, I'm not required to wait in the line. I can go straight to the sky priority lane. And as we began to maneuver through the airport, she began to list all of the different benefits that I was eligible for that had gone unclaimed. She says, because of your status, you don't have to wait in line. Because of your status, you can claim certain upgrades. Because of your status, you can pay with miles and not money. And she said, honey, you need to maintain an awareness of your status so that you can lay claim to all of your benefits. And now, saints, I'm in my feelings a little bit because I can remember all the time I spent waiting in line when I had a status that could put me at the front of the line. And so when I get to the counter with an attitude, I ask the person at the counter, why don't you all just automatically apply the benefits you know someone is eligible for? And with an attitude, she responded, she says, sir, we send you a monthly statement with your status on it. In other words, it's up to you to make sure you claim your benefits. We cannot apply them without your consent. The only thing we can do is make sure you are aware of your status. And can I suggest, friends of mine, that as children of God, we are eligible for certain benefits and blessings because as a child of God, you have an occupied status. Do you realize that the Bible refers to you as sons and daughters of God? In Galatians, Paul says that through Christ, you become Abraham's seed and you become heirs to all of his promises. Do you realize that the Bible says, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you my friends. And when you understand your status in Christ, you recognize that you're eligible for certain benefits. It is why in Psalm 103 in verse 2 the Bible says bless the Lord O my soul and forget not his benefits. In other words saints I need you to understand that you are eligible for a healing today because in Psalm 103 he says I am the God that forgives your iniquities and I heal all your diseases. Do you realize that you're eligible for his provision. For in Philippians, he said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Do you realize you qualify for a personal security detail? For the Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps about those that fear him. Do you realize that you're eligible for the Holy Ghost? For He said, If you're willing, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. I'm that much more willing to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. How many of us know you qualify for his grace? For the gift is greater than the trespass. For where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Somebody ought to shout because you qualify for the kingdom of heaven, because he said, If I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And see, part of unrealistic faith is understanding the status that has been assigned when you know who you are to him and you know who you are in him. You realize that you don't have to wait at the back of the line. You've got priority in Jesus. And is there anybody that knows that because he's promised abundant life, your eligible for an upgrade as soon as you abide in covenant with him are you hearing the word today And so today, as we unpack this message briefly today, I'm praying that God begins to multiply your faith in unrealistic proportions today. And see, friends of mine, in order to claim your benefits, there are just a few things that you've got to know. See, in order to claim your benefits, number one, the first thing that's got to happen is you've got to change the way you view Jesus Christ. In other words, saints, how many of us understand that your greatest benefit, hear me, is not what Christ does? Your greatest benefit is Christ Himself. Uh, let me say it to somebody on this side that your greatest benefit is not what He does. His great, your greatest benefit is Christ Himself. Now, now let me just be clear. Because when you look at this story from the outside, it actually looks like a story of chance or coincidence. In fact, if you look at it only from a surface level, it looks like this woman just happened to be in the right place at the right time. But I need you saints to know that there is nothing coincidental or random about this encounter. This woman is moving with intentionality and so is Jesus Christ. In other words, I need you to get that there is no luck involved in this meeting between the woman and Jesus in fact I love what desire of ages page 400 says where my favorite author says that Christ knew this woman's situation he knew she was longing to see him and he placed himself in her path Lord help me Uh, uh, let me just say to anybody who is searching for Jesus I need you to know that before you ever start searching for Jesus, that Jesus was already searching after you. And and I need you to get that if you continue searching for Jesus, it's just a matter of time before he puts himself in your path. Are you hearing me today? Now, Now I need you to get, because see, that statement provides some context about Jesus' response to the woman. In other words, what he does is he tests her faith by playing a little bit hard to get. But I need you to understand that she does not control Jesus to do something that he did not already want to do. In other words, it was to supply her need that Jesus showed up in this region in the first place. And see, friends, I hate to be redundant, but I'm doing it with purpose because, see, I need somebody to get that faith is not a crowbar that pries the hand of God open. In other words, I need you to get that faith is not something that strong arms God into doing something that God does not already want to do. In other words, Jesus places himself in her path because he came to bless. Y'all didn't get that. He's here to bless. It is his desire to bless. In fact, faith for her is simply laying claim to benefits even though she is a Gentile and not a Jew. And see, a part of unrealistic faith, my friends, is getting to a place where you change your perception of who God is. Is there anybody that understands that God is an open hand and not a clenched fist? You you see, the problem with some of us is the way that we look at God. We see God as a stingy Savior who only blesses those who are deserving of his merit and deserving of his grace. There are some of us that see God as a a tyrannical dictator who is sovereign and not sensitive to our various needs, but the thing I need somebody to get today is that God's intentions for you are all good intentions. See, see, I love what he says in Jeremiah twenty-nine. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you thoughts to prosper you and not to harm you. My plan is to give you a future and a hope. Do you realize in John 10 and verse 10 he says the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In James he says you have not because you ask not. But he says ask and it shall be given. Seek and it shall be found knock and it shall be opened unto you but see the problem with some of us we're seeing God as the bank and not the cosigner ah in other words we see God as a loan officer that's going through all of your history with details and sending it to underwriting so that somehow they can figure out a reason not to approve you but how many of us know that God is not the bank God is the cosigner, and what the co-signer does is they risk their credit so that you can get approved in other words you have a cosigner because your credit is bad because you don't meet the approval but how many of us know Jesus is the co-signer who says I'm gonna apply my perfect credit to your bad credit and you're gonna get approved not because you're deserving not because you're good but because they're judging you based on my record are y'all hearing me today and so we gotta know that we have been approved because jesus co-signed for us are y'all hearing me today saints second thing friends of mine that this story teaches us is that your greatest benefit friends is access to Jesus okay y'all, y'all still not with me no your greatest benefit is access to Jesus see I love the story Lewis because before Jesus does anything for the woman see part of a miracle is he makes himself accessible to the woman You see, the supremacy of Christ is not his capabilities. The supremacy of Christ is his accessibility. What separates Christ is his willingness to function as Emmanuel, who is God with us. Are you with me today? So, 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 some of the beauty of the story, and like we said, we won't get through it all today, is there is this Canaanite woman who rose up upon Jesus with a need for her daughter. Now, I need you to be clear that the Canaanites, they were polytheistic in their worship, meaning that they worshiped a variety of idols or deities. And see, the funny thing about the Canaanites is that they actually dabbled in the black arts and witchcraft. In fact, there are a number of scholars that believe that the girl's demon possession is as a result of being exposed to the things of the occult. So that if you were to look in this woman's house, it would actually look like a haunted house where there are a number of inappropriate deities and spells and idols that would be erected in the name of her former belief system. In fact, when she rolls up upon Jesus, she's got half moon symbols and calls. She's even got uh, brands in her flesh that give credit and to the gods that she used to serve but I need you to understand in order to know the woman what was the draw of idol worship in other words there was a reason that people worshiped idols see I need you to get friends of mine that these people when they had a block of wood or a block of metal they recognized that the idol was not God the idol was the representation of their God In other words, the purpose of serving an idol was to create a scenario where their God could feel close to them. Okay, y'all didn't get it. The purpose of an idol was to help create security. The purpose of an idol was to experience intimacy. The purpose of an idol was to feel man's need to have closeness with the divine. But understand the supremacy of Christ shows up because Jesus does not wait for the woman to get all the way into Jerusalem, but Jesus shows up in the woman's path to let the woman know that when life comes for you you only got to get all the way to me but I'm gonna come and bring myself exactly where you are in other words before he does anything the woman is impressed simply because she's given access In other words, she can't get that from Baal. She can't get that from Dagon. She can't get that from Chemosh. You can only have that type of intimacy when you're in a relationship with Jesus. Are you hearing me today? And see, friends of mine, how many of us understand that your greatest blessing, it is not a house you live in. It is not the car you drive. It ain't the red bottoms on your feet. It is not the Louis on your arm. But your greatest benefit is unrestricted access to Jesus Christ. Oh, I I thought y'all be shouting better than that today. Uh, Is there anybody that's just thankful today that God hadn't put no restrictions on his access He doesn't make you wait to call at a certain hour. He doesn't charge you by moment. But guess what? He says, whenever you call early in the morning, late at night, in the middle of the noonday, even if you don't call in a number of years, whenever you call on my name, I'm going to grant access to my children. And see, friends, this is one of the under-celebrated mercies of God. See, some of us will only praise God for things, but I'm just at a place where I praise God because I've got access. I praise God that the veil has been torn. I praise God that he is available to those that are seeking after him. Are you hearing me today? Now, the reason some of us, Aren't rejoicing yet is because we see the woman as having an advantage over us because she's talking to Jesus in his bodily form but how many of us understand that she's got no advantage she doesn't have any access that these sons and daughters of God do not have. See, that's why in John 14 and 15, Jesus said, it's good for you that I go. That, see, that was the reason he says, it's for your benefit that I go. Because he says, if I do not go, then guess what? The counselor, the helper, the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, cannot come. In other words, what he's doing by going away is he's multiplying his access. You realize that if Jesus never left the earth, guess what? You would have to fly all the way to Jerusalem. Jesus would have just been a regional Palestinian folk hero. But do you realize that we are under a better dispensation? Because under the old covenant, you had to go to a temple. But under this covenant, you became a temple. So that the Holy Ghost lives inside of me. See, that's why he wanted us to know that the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are one. Because the Holy Spirit is just Jesus multiplied. Oh God, where y'all at today? The Holy Ghost is just Jesus in you, and in you, and in you. Are y'all hearing me today? Let me say it this way. When Jesus was on earth, he was the landline, but the Holy Spirit is a cell phone. Oh, y'all didn't get it. In other words, Jesus on earth was Bell South, but the Holy Ghost is spread. Y'all not hearing me today. Y'all remember the landlines where you had to go to the phone, in order to have access but when you got a cell phone you can have access no matter where you are no matter what you're doing and when you got the holy ghost he puts a cell tower on the inside of your heart so i ain't gotta go home to meet him I ain't gotta come to church to meet him wherever i am i'm in his coverage map and i've got access and in Jesus, there ain't no dead spots. Are y'all hearing the word today, friends? Can you hear me now? <laughs> Are you hearing me today? Now, I got to say there is one problem that is affecting our access. And the problem is not with Jesus. Jesus. Do you realize that Jesus is accessible to us? (laughs) The problem is that we are not accessible to Him. (laughs) I know it's going to get a little quiet in here today. (laughs) See, see, the problem is not that we can't get in touch with Jesus, the problem is we're so busy (laughs) and we're so impotent. And we got so many irons in the fire. The issue is that Jesus can't get access to our lives. It's amazing how Pew Research Center says that of most professed American Christians, that the average American Christian spends less than seven minutes a week in prayer. No, no, don't raise your hand. See, I need us to understand that the lack of access, friends of mine, it's not on Jesus. The lack of access is, is, is on us. And see, I need somebody to understand the reason we're not seeing the unrealistic is not because we can't access him. The unrealistic is not happening because he can't get access to us. And see, there are certain things that are becoming deficits because Christ doesn't have any access to you. The reason you don't know his will is because he doesn't have access. The reason you can't hear his voice is because he doesn't have access. The reason, friends, you can't recognize when you're wrong is because he doesn't have access the reason you don't have sorrow or conviction over sin anymore is because you become a master of avoiding and eluding the access of the Holy Ghost in your life. I need somebody to get that you cannot have the benefits of Christ. See, I need you to get that his benefits. Y'all still with me, church? Y'all got quiet. <laughs> See, his benefits are not transactional. They are relational. See, the benefits of Christ, friends of mine, they are not given autonomously from relationship with Christ. I need you to get that they are the incidental byproduct or the outgrowth of a relationship with him. And I need us to understand the reason some of us are not experiencing the unrealistic. It is not because we can't get in touch with him. It's because he can't get in touch with us. Now, this is the funny thing about us because, see, we're too busy to pray, right? We're not too busy to want. But we're too busy to pray. We're not too busy to desire. We're just too busy to petition. Watch this. We're not too busy to covet. We're just too busy to ask for it. Do you realize what a coveting person is? A coveting person is just a person too blind or too busy to ask God, so they'll try to take it from you. Because in their minds, they see what you have as more accessible to them than what God wants to give. And this is going to be a hard truth to hear for some of us today because you'll never experience the unrealistic if you're too busy for relationship. You see, God has set this thing up to where you can't get the unrealistic outside of relationship. Why? Because God knows that if he gives you things without relationship, that the things can't satisfy outside of relationship. Now, now, there's someone who saying, no, pastor, if, if I had a million dollars, I'd buy me some happiness. The devil is a lie. You can't buy it. Maybe you can rent it. No, I'm just joking. Come on. say. But, but what I'm saying is, if things, hear me say, if things could satisfy, then guess what? The wealthy would not need therapists, alcohol, drugs, or 10,000 life coaches to help them get through their privileged life. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Because things outside of relationship don't satisfy. Am I talking to anybody today? Ladies, help me out. See, whenever a young man proposes and he offers the ring to the girl, the reason she gets happy is not just for the ring. Am I talking right, ladies? What the ring symbolizes is the relationship. Now, so there are some brothers that want to receive this because guess what? Most ladies at this point can buy a ring. They can afford a ring for themselves. But understand that she don't want the thing if she ain't got no relationship. Even though I can afford it, I only rejoice over it because it's symbolic of a relationship. And see, I need you to understand, beloved, that Christ is the sustenance of blessing. Things are the condiment of blessings. (laughs) Uh, Let me say it again. Christ is the sustenance things are the condiment now there are certain condiments that I love but apart from sustenance they make me gag are y'all hearing what I'm saying I mean I love syrup but I never eat it without pancakes come on now how many of y'all like hot sauce oh y'all too spiritual but you don't eat hot sauce without your your wings are y'all hearing me today (laughs) I like (laughs) icing, but I don't want icing without cake. And when you chase after things without relationship, it's like drinking ketchup, but you ain't got no french fries. And what I'm saying is make sure that you pursue the sustenance. And when you get the sustenance, guess what? The condiments... It's going to be better. Are y'all hearing me today? So God wants to make sure that the unrealistic always functions in the context of relationship. Listen, let me say it this way. How many of us have like a parent? (laughs) I want to be careful how I say this. Or a grandparent or, or an older person in your life who they will do something for you unsolicited. So they will buy you something. (laughs) <laughs> I can tell the gray-haired saints looking at me kind of funny right now. They will cook something. They'll say, "I got something for you," but they ain't gonna put it in the mail. <laughs> they gonna say, "You gonna have to come by here." Come on and come on and say, "Man, y'all, we all know what's happening." They gonna say, "You gonna have to come by here and pick this thing up." In other words, they're not going to send it apart from relationship. Guess what? You're going to come and have to sit down and take your shoes off and not be in a rush and have a little conversation. Because they know that what they're going to give you through relationship is more valuable than what they're going to give you from what they bought from the store. And what I'm saying today, saints, is that if you just get comfortable and sit down with God and not be in a rush, what you're going to get in relationship is more value than the blessing that flows from it. Are you hearing me today, saints? So the word says here in verse 23, (laughs) but the Bible says he answered her, not a word. Watch this though. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away because she cries after us. (laughs) Third thing, friends of mine, is never let those around Jesus discourage you from going to Jesus. (laughs) Oh Lord. Now, I need you to get that the way Jesus responds to the woman, it is a test of the woman's faith. But when I give you the second part, you're going to also see that Jesus' response is also a test of the disciple's character. You know what I love about this woman? Is that she is so singularly focused on Christ that she ain't even got no time to be offended by what the disciples talking about. She's so focused on him that she can't get offended by none of them. I mean, I love what the Bible says. They're like, yo, Jesus, send her away. She's crying out after us. Now, when I read the text, I ain't seen nowhere where she asked for Peter, James, John, Thomas, She didn't say, hey, y'all. She said, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, she could have easily walked away in the name of church hurt. She could have said, I ain't coming back no more. Because last time I came to Jesus, his disciples didn't speak to me. His disciples mistreated me. His disciples did me wrong. In fact, his disciples sent me away. But understand, she wanted so badly to connect with Jesus. She couldn't even let herself be offended by his children. Okay. Because watch this, you realize that if she walked away from Jesus' people, Jesus wouldn't have left the disciples to follow after her, okay? What are you talking about, pastor? Do you realize that Jesus, oh, this is hard truth. (laughs) Jesus chose each one of these disciples, No, look, look how simple they're acting right now. They don't understand their assignment, not even a little bit. And yet, Jesus chose each one. He went to Peter and said, follow me. He went to Matthew and Andrew and said, follow me. And understand that as silly as his disciples are acting, as foolish as his disciples are acting, as mean as they are acting, guess what? They have all been hand-selected by Jesus. (laughs) Because, see, one of the things I need you to get, saints, is good news and hard news at the same time, is how many of us understand that Peter says we are all being built up into a spiritual house. But do you realize that Jesus does not call us when we're finished? Jesus calls us while we're still under construction. But how many of us know that whenever you're passing through a construction zone, it can be hazardous? (laughs) <laughs> so that whenever you're in a construction zone, they make you a hard hat because stuff can be falling in a construction zone. You don't wear your cute shoes. You wear something that's kind of rugged because there's going to be some dirt in a construction zone. You don't walk around barefoot Because guess what? There may be nails or screws in a construction zone. You don't just walk around grabbing stuff because there may be loose wires in a construction zone. You don't just lean up against a wall because you may get primer or paint on you in a construction zone. In other words, friends of mine, what I'm saying is that every now and then, there's going to be some hurt that happens in the church. Why? Because the church is a construction zone. Oh, Lord, how many of us know that all the church is, is a bunch of houses that are not yet finished? And guess what? Whenever you get offended, you don't give up on a house because it's still under construction. You give it grace because you know somebody is still working on it. Are y'all hearing me today? So when they act simple, you don't leave, just say they under construction. When they don't speak to you, you don't bounce, just know they under construction. When they act stupid, you don't counter against them, you recognize that they're just under construction. You don't get mad and walk away because you realize that they are just under construction. Now watch this, how many of us are thankful that God deals with you even though you're still under construction oh where the real folk at tell the truth you got some loose wires tell the truth there's some dirt on your floor tell the truth you got some paint that ain't finished tell the truth the singles ain't on the roof tell the truth the finishes have not been complete I thank God that he didn't wait till I was done in order to go to the cross the Bible says that while we were yet sinners Christ died for the ungodly he died while we were still under construction and if God can put up with me while I'm under construction It gives me an overflow of grace to put up with you, even though you're under construction. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? So, what I'm saying is, beloved, I wish I could preach all the hurt out of the church. But there just ain't a sermon that good. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? See the beauty of the church, is simultaneously the flaw of the church. The beauty of the church is that he gives everybody access. The hardship of the church is that he don't screen. Amen. Oh y'all, y'all acting like y'all would have passed the test. Anybody thankful that he don't screen? He gives everybody access. You know why the woman leaves, doesn't leave? Because she realized that if I leave, I'm not punishing them. If I leave, I'm actually denying myself. And it's crazy because some of us will hurt ourselves to try to show them something but do you realize that even if she left those same 12 disciples Jesus was going to keep working on them see I need you to understand that Jesus is going to correct his church he's going to sanctify the church he's going to uh, uh, buffet the church but the one thing he's not going to do he's not going to abandon his church He's going to present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He keeps on working on those who remain in the community. Do y'all realize something, saints? That almost every—look it up when you get home. Almost every text in the scripture that talks about forgiveness, you realize that when God talks about forgiving your neighbor or your brother— It ain't talking about your coworkers. It ain't talking about the folk that you you play ball with at your gym. When when he talks about forgiving, you know, most of the time he's talking about, he's talking about the folk that you worship with. No, he talks about how we've got to forgive one another and bear with one another because he knew that in a construction zone, There was destined to be some occasional hurt or offense. And I want to say this because you realize that the cure for church hurt is not an apology, it's forgiveness. You realize some of y'all watching at home, some of the folk that hurt you, they they done moved on with their life. If you told them what they did wrong to you, they wouldn't even remember. And that's why I'm at a place where my forgiveness is not based upon what you do. My forgiveness is based on what he has done. See, my forgiving, it, I don't forgive for you, I forgive to set my own soul free. As one writer says it, when you hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, it's like you drinking poison and hoping they get sick. In other words, you don't punish yourself in order to get back at them. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And what I'm saying to somebody today is simply this. Don't you let no man steal your crown. Don't you let nobody take away your joy. Don't you let no offense you run you out of the house of God. In other words, if they didn't die for the church, guess what? Then they can't run you out of his church because you belong to Jesus Christ. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And one of the things I love about Jesus is that what Jesus is doing in this story is he is literally in the way he moves He's breaking down the priestly order. See, I need you to understand in the way Jesus moves, because he realized that if the lady was just talking to the disciples, she would have got sent away. But Jesus does not allow the disciples to relay the message. He puts himself in her path so he could hear it from her. Okay. He didn't set it up where she had to go through nobody. She could go directly to Jesus. Okay, y'all, now get it. Come here, Jay, real quick. See, see, I need y'all to see this thing. See, I need you to understand how a king normally ruled. Malcolm, can you help me with something? So, Malcolm, let me get you to hang over here for a second. Come on, Jay, hurry up. Come on, come on. So that what would happen in ancient times is that when you are rolling with a king, what would happen is that the guards and the posse would be way out in front of the king so that if somebody wanted to step to the king, they couldn't get direct access to the king. So what would happen is he would have to tell it to me. Then I would have to go and speak to him for the king and then guess what the king would tell me what I'm supposed to tell him but see the problem with that system is that his request was dependent on how accurately I conveyed the message to the king so if I was like the disciples and I didn't want him to talk to the king I would distort the message so that the king would have sent him away. But notice that Jesus doesn't stand way back from the disciples. He's walking right with the disciples so that whatever he's got to say to me, he can say it directly to the king. In other words, the way Jesus moved was foreshadowing the fact that he was going to remove the middleman so that the petitioner could talk directly to the source which is god okay some of y'all still hadn't got it yet you remember on the day that jesus died the very moment he gave up the ghost it was during the season of passover when the paschal lamb was about to be slain. And you realize that when Jesus said, it is finished, the Bible says that there was an invisible hand that tore the temple veil in half so that those who were once in the outer court were able to look right into the Holy of Holies. See, the Holy of Holies is where the Shekinah glory of God was, and how many of us know that Jesus was the Shekinah clothed in human flesh. And when the veil got torn in half, it was saying that I don't need a mediator. I don't need a middleman, I don't need an intercessor. Why? Because I've got direct access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And is there anybody thankful today that when you've got a message for the savior, You ain't got to send it with nobody else because you've got direct access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords because the greatest benefit is access and nearness and closeness to your Savior. Can the church say amen today? See, I want somebody to understand that your greatest blessing, my friend, is not just what he's capable of doing for you. Our greatest blessing, friends, is his divine desire to be next to you. What is man? that thou are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit him. Is there anybody, do you ever just get amazed that Jesus, he wants fellowship with you, that he wants intimacy with you, that he wants relationship with you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. The design of all mankind is to be able to fill the chasm that grew the size of eternity when Adam sinned. it put man at variance with God. It put us at odds with God. It put hostility between us and God. But because of Jesus, the gap got closed. And I don't have to go to a temple. I am the temple. And he doesn't just visit. He doesn't just come by every now and then. But he lives. Oh, bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Glory to the God who wants closeness. I praise you for nearness. I praise you that you're not on the way. I praise you that you're already at work. I praise you that when I call, it's not a long distance call because you've closed the gap, Jesus. And what I want somebody to understand more than anything else is that he is completely accessible to you but I'm praying that the great takeaway from the message is that you get to a place where you make yourself accessible to him he's saying you can call me whenever for whatever he's saying it don't even matter how silly you've been, doesn't matter how wretched you have been. He says that the arm of the Lord is not too short that it cannot save, and his ear is not too dull that it cannot hear. oneness with mankind Do you realize in the earth made new, Revelation 21, behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the the old the old earth were passed away and there was no more sea. But you realize one of the beauties of the promises is where he says, behold, I make all things new and the tabernacle of God is with them. Do you realize that there is no heaven up there, earth down here, Jesus is gonna be one with us. To be close to you, to draw you near, to have oneness with you, is his desire. But we got to get to a place where oneness with him becomes our desire. From the top, the song says, draw me close to you.
1: Draw me close to you. Says to never let me go. Never let me go. I lay it all down again. I lay it all down again. Jesus, to hear you say that I'm your friend. To hear you say that I. says that you are my desire, desire. says no no one else will do, and nothing else can take your place, of your, embrace. The of your embrace. embrace. Help me find a way. Help me find my way. Bring me back to you. Oh, we can sing this together this morning. All together say, oh. So Some of you have been far away, you need to come closer to Jesus' this and help. I need some closeness with you
0: today. Right now, church, you're standing to your feet. <clears throat> We've been on this journey. Of unrealistic faith for about two and a half months. And intentionally, a number of our conversations have revolved around how God desires to bless and elevate and open doors. But unrealistic faith and blessings, it flows out of unrealistic relationships. Heaven's goal, heaven made the ultimate sacrifice so he could draw you nearer, so you could be one with him. That's heaven's goal. He didn't wait for you to get right. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. I need you to get the story of Scripture, friends of mine. It's not about any man's pursuit of God. It's about God's pursuit of all mankind. That's that's the story of salvation in a nutshell. It is God's dogged pursuit of his creation. Jesus says, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. There's somebody in the balcony, somebody on the floor. God has been doing an invisible work in your life of drawing you to Him. But I need you to know you can't, He can't claim your benefits without your consent. At some point you gotta say, I surrender. You gotta say, I yield. You've got to say, I'm yours. So right now, every head is bowed, eyes closed. Right now, you're praying, you're talking to Jesus. But there's somebody online that needs to say, I need to be in one of the next baptisms at this church. I need to begin my relationship with Jesus. You can connect with us at OUCSDA.org forward slash connect card. And if you're in the greater Huntsville, Tennessee Valley area, We want to begin a journey of discipleship with you. If you're from further away or ways away, we can get you connected with a good Bible-based church where you are. But there's somebody in this balcony on the floor in the building today. Spirit is doing a work of drawing you. And today you want to make it up in your mind to say, I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. I want to receive the forgiveness for all of my sins. I want to be in one of the next baptisms at this church. If that's your desire, do me a favor. Just tell your neighbor, "Excuse me, come down to the front. Give me your hand. Give Jesus your heart. You want to make it up in your mind? It's how I surrender all. I give my life to Jesus. God bless you today, brother. God bless you. Praise God for you. There's somebody else today. Somebody else today. You want to, you want to say yes to Jesus. If you're on the balcony, you can come on down. Just tell your neighbor, "Excuse me. If you're on the floor, you want to begin a relationship with the Savior for the remission of every single one of your sins. You want to begin that walk with Him. You sense the wooing of God. It didn't start when the sermon commenced. God has been working on you in the midnight hour. God has been waking you up in the middle of the night. God has been drawing you into relationship with Him. And if you're here today, don't harden your heart. Don't say tomorrow, don't say later. Today, if you hear His voice, The doors of the church are open and God says, all that come unto me, I will in no wise cast him out. So today, if you're not a Christian, maybe you've experienced some church hurt and it's pushed you away from God's house and pushed you away from God's people. And you want to say today, I'm going to be so focused on Jesus. I'm not going to let anybody turn me around or push me away from the Savior who made the ultimate sacrifice for me. So, if you're here today, come on down. The doors of the church are open. Come on in. Come on in. If you're here today, harden not your heart. Come on down. Jesus loves you. And I need you to know there are some other folk who are under construction who will walk with you on the journey of Jesus Christ. God bless you today, my brother. That's a good decision to follow after him. God bless you, my friend. And somebody else today, you want to come. You want to come maybe there's a man that needs to come maybe there's a woman who needs to come maybe there's a family that needs to come listen don't be afraid don't be shy Jesus said if you confess to me before men I'll confess you before my father which is in heaven so today if he's speaking to you won't you come won't you come won't you come listen he said church I'm accessible to you today I just need you to make yourself accessible to me Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? Doors of the church are open. Maybe you're a young person. Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're a young adult. Maybe there's somebody who just needs to say, Pastor, I've allowed people to distract me. I've allowed the simpleness of His disciples to get in my way. But now I want to live my life so focused on Jesus that I'll make no room for offense. You want to come back to church. You wanna come back to relationship with him. If that's you today, come on down. Doors of the church are open, come on in. Come on in. Come on in. We're gonna close in just a few moments. Holy Spirit, for that person who is bound, who is paralyzed, in these next few moments, Holy Spirit, would you set the captive free? break the yoke. Loose their feet and their lips for confession. In Jesus' name. Will you come? God bless you, little man. Praise God for you. God bless you. There's somebody else today. You want to come? Doors of the church are open, young or old whether this is your first time in church or just the first time in a long time. And I need you to get that beating in your heart, that pull in your soul, that insatiable thing that will not let you rest. It is the liberating power of the Holy Spirit pushing you into relationship. Don't resist it. Don't push against it. Just say yes to him. in these next few moments you can still come my greater appeal for the church is this for the larger body those who are already persuaded how many of us are simply saying pastor I I hear the word is tough but I realize that I haven't been giving Jesus enough access maybe you pray and maybe you have a walk with God but you're saying "I I can lay some stuff down to give him more access I can cut off the TV and give him a little more access I can put down my phone and give Jesus a little bit more access. I I can set aside this or that and make myself a little bit more available to Him. And if that's your desire today, you're saying, Pastor, I agree. I'm standing in covenant. I just want to make myself more available to Jesus Christ. I want to make myself more accessible to Him. You're just raising your hand, and you're standing in agreement with covenant, because as you make yourself more accessible, as you experience more unrealistic relationship, you'll see more unrealistic favor and blessings, and an outpouring uh, 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 abundantly flushed into your life today, right now, Father. The people of God in the building, the people of God online, are praying, and we are making some simple covenants today. We're just making it up in our mind today to say, Lord, we're willing to put down some optional things, some things that have no eternal consequence. And we want to substitute it with a little more stillness where we can just sit in your presence. We want to make ourselves more accessible to you. We're thankful that you respond whenever we call you. But Lord, get us to a place where we respond whenever you call us. We give these temples back to you. We've been treating your temple like a hotel. We let you visit on occasion. But Lord, we present the temple and we make it a residential place where we want you to dwell and occupy here. So Lord, live in us. We make ourselves available to you. And Lord, not just devotional time. We make our gifts available to you. Our financial gifts, we make them available our ministry gifts lord we make them available lord we won't use COVID as a front to not be active in your service any longer we give them back to you lord lord help somebody to change the way they view you lord help us to know you're not the bank you're the co-signer that every intention for us is good thank you that even When we didn't know where to find you, you put yourself in our path and you came close to your children. So Lord, would you multiply our faith? Would you grow our faith exponentially and help us to lay claim to all of your benefits? This is our prayer. This is our plea. We ask it in the mattress name of Jesus. Let those that believe and have unrealistic faith shout amen and amen. You may be seated in the house of God.